Hello and welcome to the Unpublished Cafe. I'm Ed Hand. Here at the cafe, we aim to bring you guests and issues for discussion and debate. The Unpublished Cafe is part of the Unpublished Media suite of websites created to inform and educate Canadians on current affairs and political issues. Each podcast delves into a different issue in a nonpartisan way, so listeners and viewers can share their informed opinions with Canadians and their local MPs through unpublishedottawa.com and unpublished.vote. The upcoming federal election is a focus for us to bring you a balanced view of the parties and their policies. And this is Unpublished Cafe's feature on the federal election platform of climate change. We're bringing you each party's platform so you can compare. And coming up, we're going to hear from conservative environment critic Ed Fast, the Liberals' Minister of Environment and Climate Change, Catherine McKenna, NDP leader Alex Boulerice, and starting us off, Joanne Roberts, Deputy Leader of the Green Party. The Green Party platform for dealing with climate change is called Mission Possible, the Green Climate Action Plan. It's a 20-point plan that boosts greenhouse gas reduction more than any party in Canada, as well as transitioning toward a clean energy economy. To find out more about the plan, I am pleased to be joined by Joanne Roberts, Deputy Leader of the Green Party. And Joanne, how much are you hearing at the door about climate change policy? You know, it's interesting. I I am hearing about climate change policy, but I have to admit it's not usually the first thing people bring up. What they do say, and, you know, I did run in 2015, so I think I can fairly compare the two elections. Um, In 2015, people were, oh, you're the Greens. Um, You know, you're about the environment and climate and then they were either for, wanted to talk to you or they didn't. This time round, we're going to the, oh, you're the Greens. Yeah, it's really important. We have more Greens this election. Now, what can you tell me about health care? It's almost as if they accept, ah, uh, you're the party that will take on climate change. But now let's see what else you have to offer. Why do you think there's been a transition? I think people, and I'm going to give credit to, you know, the kids on the climate strike, to Extinction Rebellion, that the public awareness of the emergency nature of this issue has changed dramatically. Is there a more important issue for this election? I don't think there is. Uh, I I really don't think there is. Um, I have a 32-year-old daughter who has decided to run in this election as well. And to be honest, and, you know, I probably shouldn't say this publicly, but I tried to talk her out of it. I said, you know, it's hard to run and you've got a full-time job and you're still young. You can run in the next election is what I said to her. And she said, Mom, we may not have another election where we can attack this issue. And she caught me up short because she's right. If we are going to seriously take action... We start with this election, and I think everyone agrees that while there are lots of things we can do individually and there are things we can do at all orders of government, we need political action to reach the kind of change we need. Joanne Roberts is joining us on the Unpublished Cafe. She's the deputy leader of the Green Party of Canada as we talk about climate change policy of all the parties coming up in this uh, federal election. And let's talk about the plan for the Green Party. I think quite a few Canadians would find it surprising that the Greens are not necessarily in favor of turning off Canada's oil taps. Why is that? Well, you know, I think we're a realistic party and we realize that 
while we are going to see a decline or we'd like to see a decline in the use of fossil fuels, we still have many areas of our country and of uh, the way we live that still uses fossil fuels. So we're saying let's make sure we are not expanding uh, the oil and gas industry. Let's make sure we are making a just transition uh, to getting away, away from our sort of reliance on fossil fuels. But in the meantime, uh, let's make the best use of what we produce in this country. And uh, so we have a couple of, of uh, industries right now that are looking at providing for what we call upgrading. So upgrading the quality of what comes out of our uh, oil sands. And we're supporting that, which surprises people. But we're saying that's not part of expansion. And I think where it confuses people is when they think, oh, you want to use more oil and gas. No, that, that couldn't be further from the truth. If you read the plan, you see that, you know, we're moving strongly and quickly away from oil and gas. But in the meantime, we are supporting um, the industry that is there and working with that industry to produce the cleanest product possible. Now, in terms of uh, supporting that industry, you talk about ending oil imports. Now, is there any price for Canada to pay in terms of cancelling contracts with other oil-producing nations? Absolutely, there is. Uh, and I think that would be unrealistic to say that there isn't. Um, the biggest area where we would be replacing foreign oil with uh, domestic oil would be in Atlantic Canada. Um, the Irving Oil Refinery uses Saudi oil. So our proposal is that we look at using Hibernia oil, so off Newfoundland, and shipping it to um, to the Irving Refinery. Now, that will mean, I mean, Hibernia has um, contracts with other countries, and the Irvings have contracts with the Saudis. So it won't happen overnight, and it will come at a cost. That cost is still being worked on, but we think, look at the positives. We're using gas from our own, or using a product from our own country. Uh, it certainly has to travel a lot uh, shorter distance, and uh, we're not bringing um, oil and gas from Saudi Arabia when we can be bringing it from Newfoundland. So some people have looked at that and said, oh, you're you're going to have to have a pipeline. No, we don't need another pipeline. We don't need new infrastructure to do that. What we will need to look at is the cost and over what period of time we do that. Now, is there any support for refining Canadian oil in, in Western Canada as opposed to a, a pipeline? Well, this is what the upgraders would do. Uh, they would increase our capacity to take Canadian oil that, and upgrading it where it's actually, uh, you know, being extracted. But don't take that as an example of we need to expand. We're just saying that at this point, when you look at the bitumen that's coming out of the ground, uh, we all know bitumen is a very difficult product in a lot of ways. Uh, so we're looking at how do we then make use of it that that is currently being uh, produced there without having to put it through a pipeline. Now, the Green Party is looking at uh, electricity and modernizing the east-west electricity grid. And in terms of climate change, how does that help? Well, we're, we're seeing many of our, uh, you know, for example, if you're phasing out coal, which produces electricity, you have to replace the electricity. I mean, you also want to retrofit and reduce the electrical needs, but we know we're going to need more and more electricity in this period of transition. So by upgrading our east-west grid, then we have uh, electricity that is being produced in our country with clean energy, 
primarily with hydro, coming to parts of the country that need it, that don't have the ability to create uh, their own clean energy right now. Um, I'd like to think that we're going to start to see more and more ways of creating clean energy, and that energy should be able to go back and forth within our country. Right now, the grid makes that somewhat difficult because it's limited. Um, we're also you know, sending a lot of our electrical energy down to the United States. I mean, you've probably heard the Premier of New Brunswick say, you know, he could use Quebec's electrical energy to uh, replace much of the coal in that province, but he said he won't take Quebec's energy till he gets a pipeline. Uh, I mean, that kind of ridiculous argument needs to be gone, and having a grid that would make it effective would allow that to happen. So there's a lot of discussion, for example, here in Nova Scotia, of being able to have a grid that we would import electrical energy right now, but would also be able to export it to places in the country that need it. And that's good economics. Now, when we talk about the uh, the electricity grid, does this not fall under province's jurisdiction? Would this not be the federal government moving in here? Well, I mean, I think we, we need one of the things that the Greens are talking about in our overall platform is bringing together what we call the Council of Canadian Governments, where all orders of government would be at the table. Because there are a number of these things uh, that would need agreement uh, between the federal government and the provinces. And there hasn't been enough of that cooperative effort. The other thing that um, is in our plan, and I think it's an important part of it, is having a climate cabinet where you would bring all parties together in a cabinet setting, much like we've done in a World War II cabinet, where they would put their partisan hats aside and they would work on these issues. Part of our problem with provinces is um, the government's change there and the political flavor of the government's change. And sometimes that gets in the way of doing what's best for the whole country. Uh, so I think if we had a climate cabinet and if we were creating a council of Canadian governments, we'd be able to work through some of these jurisdictional matters. It, you know, we built a railway and transportation is provincial. We have, we have looked at, um, a healthcare accord and health is provincial. Like the federal government has worked with provinces to create national networks. And we can do that going forward. And we can do it on an issue of this level, which is facing all provinces with equal uh, alarm. So you would look at this as a nation building exercise then? Absolutely. Mm -hmm. All right. Now, as part of the uh, as the, the Green Party uh, mission possible, national retrofitting, uh, retrofitting of buildings how would that roll out? Well, you know, it, it, we've had pro, uh, provincial programs and federal programs in the past, and they've ended up being cut in um, austerity budgets. But this is providing incentives for uh, provinces to have funding to uh, to to do the retrofitting. It also fits into job creation within the provinces. So. I think what you do first is say, this is the activity we would like to have. Here's where the funding we're going to put in place. Um, and in many cases, you may be working with um, provincial programs that are already in place. There's one here in Nova Scotia, for example. So we would build the federal program in addition uh, to the provincial program. So it wouldn't be necessarily saying, well, we just have one program. And if you don't have one, if you do have one in your province, it'll disappear. It would be working with those. Joanne, I want to thank you for joining us. All right. It's been great talking to you. Joanne Roberts is the deputy leader of the Green Party.
The federal conservatives revealed their climate change plan less than a month ago. It's called a real plan to protect our environment and promises to be Canada's best chance to meet our Paris targets. Ed Fast is the conservative critic on the environment and the MP for Abbotsford. And he joins us on the Unpublished Cafe. And Ed, thank you for joining us. You're very welcome, Ed. Now, why do you see this as the best way to reach our Paris targets? Well, we know that the current plan that the Liberals introduced is not going to meet the Paris targets. Time and time again, uh, the uh, United Nations, the Parliamentary Budget Officer, the the, uh, Commissioner for the Environment have all said that the Liberal plan is not going to get us to our targets. In fact, we're falling further and further and further behind every year. So we believe that it's actually going to be technology, not taxes, that gets us to where we need to go. Uh, we believe there's great promise in technology. Um, even uh, the United Nations uh, has uh, highlighted the fact that technology represents among the most promising ways of us uh, being able to address our greenhouse gas emissions. And that's what our focus is. Now, the Technology Investment Fund uh, you're referring to, how would it work and how would it help? Well, uh, it's a $250 million uh, innovation fund. It's effectively a venture capital fund, which is intended to incent the private sector to invest. And we expect it would leverage uh, up to $1 billion of additional investment in uh, green technology innovation. And uh, we believe that uh, represents great promise in terms of incenting the private sector to take up this cause. It kind of rings a little bit like the Ontario Liberals' green par, uh, green energy plan from, from back in Dalton McGuinty's days when he was trying to, to do that and restart that the economy. Is that kind of what the direction you're going there? Oh, no, not at all. No. Uh, none of what we do will emulate what Dalton <laughs> McGuinty and the Ontario Liberals did. What they did is they picked winners and losers, <clears throat> and we both know that government is very poorly positioned to make those kinds of decisions, picking winners and losers when it comes to technology choices. Uh, The uh, green energy plan in Ontario was an unmitigated disaster. What this is simply is a fund that will uh, incent the private sector to begin to invest in the most promising green technology companies uh, in Canada and hopefully uh, spur uh, a broader innovation uh, outcome uh, for Canadians. Do we have these type of companies in Canada right now that are, are looking for funding to obviously to, to expand and obviously make us uh, you know deal with climate change better here in Canada? Listen, can, Canadians are among the best educated, uh, among the most innovative in the world, and I think most analysts who have looked at our economy and looked at our green technology sector have acknowledged that the biggest problem that Canadian companies have when they're developing and then bringing forward their technology for commercialization is the ability to commercialize. Uh, uh, Invariably what happens is all the best companies get picked off by the United States. They then move their headquarters to the United States and Canada loses the ability to benefit uh, economically from those companies. Uh, That's what we want to stop. We want to make sure that Canadian companies have the ability to develop and commercialize their technology right here in Canada.
Now, you mentioned that the government's not good at uh, picking winners and losers, but with this uh, innovation fund, is the government not going to be picking who's going to get it and who's not? Uh, we we certainly as uh, government would not be making those decisions. We would presumably have uh, uh, independent uh, experts um, analyzing uh, where those funds should go. And again, we would want to be as uh, as unbiased in terms of deploying those funds as possible to make sure that we're actually allowing the market to decide which technologies are successful and which technologies move forward with commercialization. Ed Fast is joining us on the Unpublished Cafe. He's the Conservative critic on the environment and the MP for Abbotsford as we talk about the Conservative climate change platform. And obviously, Andrew Shear and the Conservatives have been very open about this. Take power, we're going to cancel the carbon tax. Now, in your plan, going after the heavy emitters is how you plan on... Uh, I guess, compensating for the, the lack of the carbon tax. Yes, we're, we're focusing on the heavy emitters. Uh, under the Liberal plan, of course, the heavy emitters receive huge exemptions. When the average Canadian who's paying a carbon tax receives no exemptions, um, what we are doing is we are expanding the scope of our program so that it kicks in at about 40 kilotons of emissions. Um, the Liberal plan, plan is at 50 kilotons. So what we're doing is we're increasing the number of heavy emitters that will be caught. But the key thing is this. We are not taxing them. In other words, we're not taking money out of the company, putting it into government coffers, and then spending that money on government political priorities. What we have said is uh, those companies have an opportunity to decide where they want to invest their technology development uh, funds. They can do it in-house, so do research and development in-house within the company. They can do it uh, in an industry-pooled research and development investment facility. They can invest in green bonds that invest in emissions-reducing technology. They can even invest in Canadian university and college uh, R&D programs because that's where a lot of the uh, research takes place. What we're saying is we're going to leave the choice of that to the companies themselves. So the companies understand, listen, we are investing in our own environmental success, in our own environmental performance. And uh, that way the money doesn't go into government coffers is spent on things that are completely unrelated to the environment or on priorities that the government has set rather than are driven by the companies themselves who understand their own needs the best. How do you enforce it, though? There will be an enforcement process Mm -hmm. um, uh, under which every company will have to have their investments vetted by an independent panel whose sole job is to make sure that the investments are going into qualified investments. And as I said, the qualified investments are quite broad. The choices would be made by the companies themselves. We just want to make sure that they're not investing in something that's unrelated to the environmental performance improvements that we expect them to make. Now, does this plan get Canada to... It's our Paris targets, or from what I've read, it gets us the closest to it, but does, still doesn't reach it. 
what we have said, and as you mentioned in your uh, introductory uh, remarks, we believe that our plan is a much better plan than the Liberal plan. The Liberal plan, by all accounts, has failed because it's not meeting the Paris targets. We believe our plan gives us the best chance to actually meet those targets, which are, of course, conservative targets that the Liberals adopted and claimed that they were going to make tougher. But in fact, they're not even meeting those targets. So we're quite confident that our plan is much better and, and provides us with the best chance to reach the Paris targets. Now, yeah, in, as part of the platform as well, and obviously aimed specifically at, at voters, incentivizing home retrofits, how would the government pay for something like that? Well, you know what? It, it is going to cost some money. Um, we want to make sure that we also give homeowners an opportunity uh, to invest in their own contributions to reducing uh, their greenhouse gas emissions. So we have uh, pr- uh, proposed a $900 million green homes tax credit, which would allow investments of up to $20,000 to provide to, to receive a tax credit. Um, that was an immensely popular program under Stephen Harper's uh, government. We expect it will receive the same kind of reception uh, this time around. Canadians are quite prepared to make investments in their own environmental performance. All you need to do is provide them with a bit of an incentive, and they would gladly do their part. And we've got some other things, a green home retrofit code that we believe should be designed into the national building code. Um, we're also... Uh, putting forward a voluntary net zero building standard that we believe uh, many companies would adopt. And then, of course, we're going to encourage the greater use of wood and low-carbon cement. The use of wood, of course, allows us to take stored carbon and basically allow that sequestration to be in place for many, many years, especially if the wood gets recycled down the road And then with low-carbon cement, it's simply a matter of producing cement in a way that is environmentally sustainable because cement is one of the most polluting, most greenhouse gas-intensive products that we can make. And there are technologies now that allow uh, that cement to be made uh, in a less environmentally impactful way. Ed, I want to thank you for joining us on the Unpublished Cafe. You are very welcome. Glad to do it. Ed Fast is the MP for Abbotsford and conservative environment critic. When it comes to the issue of climate change, the Liberals took an extra step after the 2015 election, changing the portfolio from environment to environment and climate change. Ottawa Centre MP Catherine McKenna is the minister, and she joins us on the Unpublished Cafe. Now, Catherine, is Canada in a climate emergency? Uh, well, it's great to be uh, joining your podcast. Thanks very much, Ed. Um, yes, we, we it, I mean, it's not just Canada, it's the world. Um, increasingly, we're seeing the impacts of climate change. I think before there was a conversation about, you know, what's climate change going to look like down the road? But if you look at what's happening, even right here in the National Capital Region, we had flooding um, a few years ago that was supposed to be once in 100-year floods, and now we had it again this year. Um, so you're seeing these extreme weather events that are having huge impacts on people's lives, um, on businesses, and, and also there's like an emotional impact for people. If you're having to, you know, sandbag your house, worried about, um, you know, where your house is located, is it going to continue to flood? 
But, and we're seeing that across the country. Um, forest fires have started earlier this year. Uh, last year, um, I was out in Kelowna, uh, and the, it was, the air quality index was 10 or high, and that meant it was dangerous for seniors, young people, for anyone really to go out. And I'm talking to moms who are thinking, gosh, like this is where we live and our kids can't go outside. So, but we're, I mean, it's not just Canada, small island states um, having huge problems, but you're seeing it across the world. And this is why, I mean, we need to be ambitious in terms of how we act on climate change because we have a choice. We're either, you know, we will not be able to stop the impacts of climate change, but it's really can we, you know, take ambitious action that we're not going to see the most catastrophic impacts. And we did have a science report here in Canada. Um, the scientists uh, in government show that Canada is warming at twice the global average, and it's three times or more in the north. So just on the science, um, quite clear that climate change is happening, that it's man-made, and it's accelerating. Now, you talk about ambitious action, but... You know, the, the government has gone and bought the Trans Mountain Pipeline. That kind of sends the wrong message. Well, so I think that's a really good question. And I know that there are people who are trying to understand, well, how can you do that? So I think, first of all, uh, we've said no to the Northern Gateway uh, Pipeline. That was going to be a new pipeline going through a rainforest that we have a ban on pipelines um, off of the northern coast of British Columbia. But we're in a transition, and transitions do not happen overnight. Um, people, I, I look outside. I mean, I would love if everyone was in an electric vehicle. We're still, people are still driving cars with an internal combustion engine. Uh, we're working really hard to change that. But with the decision on Trans Mountain, and this is a twinning of an existing pipeline, um, it's really important that people understand the context, uh, Canadians understand the context. And it's hard because, you know, it takes more. It's not just a soundbite. But we negotiated a climate deal for Canadians over a year. So often people talk about the federal climate plan. No, this is like the Canadian climate plan. And there we had Alberta, who was part of the, the discussions. Um, we had a progressive NDP government who did many things that had never happened in Alberta's history. They put a price on pollution. They fa agreed to phase out coal. They put, um, and they put a hard cap on emissions from the oil sands, so ceiling on what emissions you could have from the oil sands. Um, but at the same time, you know, people do need jobs in the transition. And so, look, we, you know, this was part of our plan. We are not doing anything different. We said that we felt that this, this pipeline should go ahead. And it's also the safest way. Right now you have a situation where uh, we have access to only one market, the United States. So we're getting a discount price for our product during a transition where people are still using oil and gas. And it's not safe to go by train. It is much safer by uh, pipeline. And this is, as I say, twinning of an existing pipeline. But you have to look in the whole context of our climate plan. So uh, I've listened to your, your previous podcasts. And, I mean, it's interesting when people say we won't meet the target. We're absolutely committed to meeting the target. It is very hard because after 10 years of Stephen Harper going in absolutely the wrong direction, we inherited a target where it's 2030, so you've lost 10 years. But we have over 50 measures. Compared to business as usual, everything that we have implemented will get us three quarters of the way there. So that's compared to business as usual. And then with the other quarter, we've, we've said that we will do that through the investments in public transportation. We have committed the money. We were the only party that committed to investments um, in the last election. And, but we haven't negotiated those deals. So it's hard to model exactly what the emission reductions are going to be, but we know they will be there. Uh, Light Rail Transit Ottawa, 
largest reduction in emissions in Ottawa's history. We're also, we just committed to doubling the amount of nature that we're going to protect in Canada with a $1.3 billion historic investment in a nature legacy fund. Nature is a, is a natural sink. We've just committed to a circular economy and tackling plastic pollution, including um, eliminating single-use plastics. That also reduces emissions. We've made historic investments in clean technologies. It's hard to it's hard to model the technologies that are going to be game changers. But we already know if you look at the price of batteries, you look at the price. Um, electric vehicles, you look at the price of renewables, it's all going down precipitously. And our role as a government is to be responsible and to figure out what is the best mix of policies looking to not just 2030, which is our current target, but we have to look to 2050. And we have to completely decarbonize the economy. But it doesn't happen overnight. But if you look at the trajectory, we are on track, we are reducing our emissions. You know, the investments people say, well, you haven't reduced the emissions overnight. Well, I mean, we're just investing in public transit. So you're not going to get the reductions until a public transit is built. Electric vehicle incentive, $5,000. People are, you know, we've got now, it's hard to get an electric vehicle. You've got to wait a lot longer because people are really excited about that. But these things do take time. And it's a transition. And our focus is also how do you do this in a way where life is affordable and people have jobs? And that's something I have learned in this portfolio. I'm now the second second longest serving environment minister, and people care about climate change. I actually think most Canadians believe it's man-made. They're concerned about the impacts. But at the end of the day, they're concerned about paying for, you know, activities for their kids, paying their bills, having a job. And so we have to be responsible and map this out. And that means you have to do it in a, a thoughtful way. And we have mapped out exactly what we're doing. It's all online. We're extremely transparent about all the measures. And, of course, we have to do more. It's not just about a 2030 target. The whole world needs to do more. We're not on the trajectory to stay well below two degrees, which is what we negotiated. So we've got to do more. But I think it is possible But, of course, the challenge on the other side is we have, for example, conservatives who are out there misleading the public about what we're doing, that they say that, you know, we're just putting a price on pollution as a tax drive. That's absolutely wrong. By law, all the money has to go back. Um, We're phasing out coal, but we have a just transition task force. So we ensure that communities that have relied on coal and workers that have uh, relied on coal jobs are able to plan for their future and their community's future um, and their kids' future. So you have to be thoughtful, and that's something we're working very hard on. And as I say, I think some of the times the challenge is it's not a soundbite. Yeah, no kidding. Catherine McKenna joining us on the Unpublished Cafe. She's the Minister of the Environment and Climate Change as we continue to talk about uh, climate change platforms here on the Unpublished Cafe. And, you know, when we when I talk about the Trans Mountain Pipeline, and, and I, I've mentioned this to a, several of the parties when I talked about it, instead of building pipelines, why is Canada not building a refinery instead? Well, I mean, so the, I hear that often. So just so you understand how the Trans Mountain Pipeline comes across, for example, my desk, the federal government's desk, and we have what's called an environmental assessment. So we take the projects as they come. Um, so, you know, we don't go out and say, you know, you need to do this. You need to do a refinery. Ideally, the market decides, you know, that there's an interest in a refinery. Had that been in the project, we would have looked at that. But, look, I, I agree with the general principle that we need to figure out how do we get maximum value for our resources 
in a transition to a cleaner future. And our resources are also the same resources you need for the transition. Like if you look at the batteries and what is in um, electric batteries, we actually have the natural resources. We have the minerals that are required for that. But we've got to figure this out and um, we've got to figure out how we also, as you know, make sure that we focus on jobs and, and people. And sometimes it can sound quite elitist to be talking about, I would say, like 20, 30 targets or talking about price on pollution. Sometimes people are just like, okay, I care about climate change, but how is this going to improve my life? And I've realized we've got to talk about health outcomes. The phasing out coal in Ontario meant we went from 53 smog days to zero. Talk about jobs that we've, there are already 300,000 jobs that are in the clean economy. And as we do retrofits, and I think we should do a massive retrofit program, there, there's jobs for construction workers in that. There's jobs in new materials for how we build houses that are much more energy efficient. Um, that we have to get granular. And this is a lesson that, that um, I know a lot of people have focused on what happened in France with yellow investors. We see a little bit of that here, although I think it's a bit of a different movement here. But in France, people were out in the streets because they felt that politicians were being elitist and not worried about middle class, and they increased the price on pollution there. Um, and it was hurting folks. And so, the, for example, the price on pollution, as I said, that all the money is going back to the tax system. You have the incentive at the pump to figure out how you would pay less if you use public transport, transportation, you carpool, you get an electric vehicle or a more fuel-efficient vehicle. But at the same time, when you do your taxes, you'll get the money back. So a family uh, of four will get $309 in Ontario. And 80% of families are better off, especially low- and middle-income families. Um, but you have to be thinking about that because I saw what happened in the United States. They're rolling back all of the regulations at the federal level that they can. Now, many of them are in court. And so you can't lose that. And unfortunately, in climate change, it often, you know, people talk about it, but then you know, if you don't have people at the center, you can lose those policies because people say, well, I care about this, but I'm also just worried about, you know, costs of living and I'm worried about jobs. And that's why I think this election, it, I think climate change will be a top issue. I think affordability will be a top issue. And I feel confident in what our government has done because we've considered affordability as we've built our climate plan. And also we've created a million jobs with Canadians. We have the lowest unemployment rate in four decades. Does that mean everyone feels better off? No. Is there more work to do? Yes. But if you don't have a plan for climate change, which, quite frankly, the Conservatives don't, you do not have a plan for the economy of today, and especially not the economy of the future. Let's talk about the clean fuel standard. How will it work, and, and how will, will it help uh, get Canada to its Paris targets? Yeah, the clean fuel standard is a really important part of our plan. And often, once again, it's language. People are like, what is the clean fuel standard? When you go to the pump, having cleaner fuels. Um, which is actually a huge economic opportunity because there's different ways you can do it. Biofuels, a good example. Um, and it is a very important component of our plan. It's an example of regulating, right? There's different ways of policy choices. You can regulate, you can invest, um, and we're making $60 billion of investments in renewables, um, in clean technologies and public transit. And then there's market forces. 
price on pollution, um, disclosure of companies of the climate risk. And so it's really important. And, you know, the, the conservatives have said, forget it. We're not going to do clean fuel standards. So they're against the price on pollution, which represents 20% of our emissions towards our target. They're against the clean fuel standard, also a significant chunk of emissions. Um, and they seem to be, rely on hope. If only people would innovate. Of course, innovation is part of this, but if you don't have these other things and you're going to cut, they're going to cut in money invested in, in you know, public transit, cutting money for electric vehicles, um, cutting across the board like we've seen Doug Ford, there's zero chance that you're going to change, transform your economy, which is really what this is. It's a complete transformation of the economy to a better economy, quite frankly, cleaner, um, more energy efficient. That should be a conservative idea, conserving energy. Um, and one where our kids will have the jobs that they're looking for. I talk to young people, and they're demanding action, and I, I love that they're demanding more ambitious action because it only helps us if we have young people pushing you know, for more ambitious action because, on the other hand, I have people who are you know, conservative politicians who want to do less and less. Um, but those, they want jobs that are in the economy of the future. They're not talking about, is climate change real? They're saying, how do we innovate? How do we find the solutions? How do I be part of it? How do I feel good about my job that... You know, it's it's with a company that values um, the environment, that's going to use less plastics, that is recognizes that everyone has a part to play in this, um, and also, quite frankly, that it realizes there's a huge economic risk to your business. If you haven't thought about um, what the economy of the future is going to look like, if you haven't thought about the risks of climate change and how that you would impact your business, you know, you're not going to do well in the future. Catherine, I want to thank you for joining us. Well, it's great. Um, I'm really happy to do this. Uh, I know this is going to be a big conversation, so happy to continue the conversation. Catherine McKenna is the Minister of the Environment and Climate Change, as well as the MP for Ottawa Centre. The federal New Democrats have taken the wraps off their plan, which touts the creation of 300,000 new jobs with a focus on clean energy. And to find out more, I'm pleased to be joined by Alexandre Boulerys, Deputy Leader and the Environment Critic for the NDP. And Alexandre, thank you for joining us. My pleasure, no problem. Your party has called this an environment and climate emergency. Is this the defining issue for the NDP in this coming election? Yeah, it's clearly one of the defining issues for us uh, uh, NDPers. Uh, it's also, uh, let's say that we also talk about uh, uh, fiscal injustice and, and affordability for, for workers and families. But uh, climate emergency is uh, definitely the challenge of our generation, and I think that we cannot miss uh, the, 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 to, to, to uh, be able to uh, reduce our emissions of greenhouse gas emissions because, uh, you know, our children and grandchildren will judge us uh, as leaders if we've been, uh, been able to, uh, to tackle this task or not. Now, in terms of greenhouse gas emissions, the party's looking at reducing them by, by 50%, are they not? Yes, uh, our target is, is more ambition and bold than the Paris Agreement. Uh, <clears throat> right now, the, uh, the Liberals are not able to meet the, the targets of the Conservatives, of the Harper Conservatives uh, right now. And uh, every year, the uh, Environment Ministry uh, showing a report in December that we are falling behind and, and more and more year after year. So the the Liberal plan is clearly not working. Uh, they have been dragging their feet, and uh, and we have an approach with the uh, the NDP that will 
uh, include every part of our uh, our economy to be able to make an effort to reduce our greenhouse gas emissions. We're talking, of course, about energy, but also about transport and and uh, construction and buildings and retrofit. A lot of things. Our our plan is really ambitious. Uh, it also include workers and and um, the training of uh, of the workforce in that country to be able to. Uh, to facilitate and to uh, to be able to uh, do that transition that is most uh, needed. Alexandre Boulouris is joining us on the Unpublished Cafe. He's deputy leader and the environment critic for the New Democrats as we take a look at climate change as an issue in the upcoming federal election. And Alexandre, the NDP would cancel Trans Mountain. Yes, <clears throat> this is a really bad investment. Uh, this is something that is uh, com- totally uh, in contradiction with uh, the, the discourse and uh, the, the speeches of Madame McKenna or Mr. Trudeau uh, saying that, yes, yeah, we are the, the guys pro for the environment, and at the same time buying, buying a pipeline that will triple the production for uh, those uh, 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 that this crude oil of, uh, of Trans Mountain, you know, from 300,000 to 900,000 barrels per day. This is the equivalent. This is uh, what will be the pollution of, of three million uh, more cars on our roads per year. Uh, this is to- something that is totally, you know, not not in phase with what the science is asking for us and what we should do as a as a country. It's also a bad investment for uh, as a fiscal and economic reasons. Uh, Kinder Morgan, they they try to so- to sell that pipeline to private sector. Nobody wants it because it's too risky. And so the liberals of uh, the Trudeau's liberals decided to take public money, our money, to buy that, that pipeline. And after that, we, uh, we will be stuck with it. And uh, we are quite sure that in 20, 25 years, when the, the global demand for uh, oil in the world will decline, the first oil that will be rejected by the markets will be the, the oil that is the most costly to produce. And this is exactly tar sands. And this is exactly that kind of, of oil. So it, it's something that in 20, 30 years, nobody will want anymore. The Liberals say that they bought Transmount to protect jobs. Does this mean the NDP was is against those jobs? No, we, we, we are really the party that can uh, balance uh, our, our climate responsibility with the respect of workers and community. But we really think that if you look at this, uh, at this uh, investment, $4.5 billion to, to buy the pipeline and $9.7 billion for the expansion. It's almost $15 billion. We can do a lot of job creation with $15 billion. But in, in, new, in the new economy, the economy of today and tomorrow, in renewable energy, and the potential of Alberta in renewable energy like solar and, and, and windmills is great. Uh, and, and I think, and we think at the NDP, this is something we should uh, invest in and be able to support the communities, make the transition, train the workers, and be able to create new jobs. Because those jobs right now will not be there in 20 or 30 years. So we have to look forward, we have to, to look to the future, and be able to invest in the jobs that will will be there in 30, 30 years. And that's not the case with the liberal plan. 
Climate change is our focus on the unpublished cafe as we're joined by Alexandre Boulleries, Deputy Leader Environment Critic for the NDP, as we talk about the NDP climate change platform. And we've, we've talked about uh, jobs, job creation, 300,000 new jobs the NDP say will uh, come from their climate change plan. How do you come to that number? Uh, it's, a, it's a number that's, that is coming from, uh, like I was saying, uh, different investment and, and uh, um, things we want to, to change in regulation. Uh, like it, we have a, a great plan about uh, retrofit in housing, and uh, it, this, this thing will create a lot of jobs in construction. You know, if a family wants to change his roof, windows, doors, etc., cetera, uh, that will be a federal subsidy to, to help them to have the, uh, the loan to, to, to invest in their house and be able to uh, to reduce their electricity and, and uh, uh, heating cost. Uh, this is one of uh, the examples. We also want to invest in electric cars, and electric cars uh, build and made in Canada. Um, so we will keep what the Liberals have put on the table already, but we will, uh, we will add... Uh, you know, a reduction of uh, GST if you if you buy an electric car or zero emission car that is built in Canada. So it's good for the consumer. It's good for the environment. And it's also an incentive for the uh, automobile industry in Canada to build more uh, zero emission cars that will be able on the market and, and consumer will be uh, will have benefit from from that. So. This are those different things, uh, and we will invest in public transit a lot, $6.5 billion in, in four years. Uh, that will also uh, create jobs for all uh, everybody that will uh, work on, on subways and, and, and buses uh, everywhere in Canada. And this is something that will uh, answer the needs of a lot of, uh, of communities, urban and rural. Now, you mentioned uh, incentives for the creation of electric vehicles. A lot of people in this country sometimes call that corporate welfare. Yeah, sometimes I think uh, the government is, is there to, uh, uh, to, to be able to uh, orient the market, uh, to, be, uh, to make sure that there's an acceleration in the fact in the, the way that people are, are consuming and producing. We are far behind in Canada. If you look at the, the, the automobile market, we only have one or 2% of, of uh, new cars every year that are uh, zero emission cars or electric cars. And if you look at P, uh, countries like Norway, they are already at 40%. So uh, this is something, you know, if we want to act, uh, government has his, his role and we are not there to... Um, to give companies uh, rebates, but we are there to uh, in- influence the market and help the consumer to make other choices that will be beneficial for uh, climate uh, change and also for the pocket of the uh, of the consumer. You know, when we look at uh, a way of getting away from gas and oil production in Canada, uh, obviously the other direction is clean energy. And what's the NDP pa- NDP plan for boosting clean energy? Uh, we we will have some. Uh, first, we will stop uh, every uh, oil and gas subsidies. So it's a, it's a billions of dollar per year, and we'll invest that public money into renewable energy. We also will create uh, a climate bank, a climate bank that will be able to uh, to to offer loans or uh, uh, gar- lo- guarantee loans to uh, initiatives from public companies or communities or citizens in 
projects that will uh, be uh, on uh, clean energy or renewable energy. Those, uh, that climate uh, bank or green bank is something that already exists in some uh, states in the United States, in Massachusetts, Maine, Vermont. And this is a model that we, uh, we adopted because we see that it helps uh, small or medium projects that uh, really reduce uh, greenhouse gas emission and help people to, uh, to be able to start a project uh, about renewable energy and it works. So this is something we don't have already in, in Canada and something that uh, we have in our, in our plan. It's a $3 billion uh, climate bank that uh, NDP government will, uh, will put on the table, and that money will be there to help uh, people and, and citizens and communities that uh, have maybe a project of uh, 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 geothermic energy or uh, uh, windmills, etc., solar panels, and the uh, federal government will be a partner uh, to help them to be able to uh, to uh, go forward with their project. Alexandre, I want to thank you for joining us. It was a pleasure, and uh, enjoy your cafe. Alexander Bolleris, Deputy Leader and Environment Critic for the NDP. Now you've heard from the four major parties and their climate change platforms on the Unpublished Cafe. Now it's your time to get involved. Which of the four parties' climate change platforms do you support? You can have your say and cast your ballot right now at unpublished.vote. Thanks for listening to the Unpublished Cafe. I'm Ed Hand.